to another aftershock we are here tonight after a three to zero loss for the san jose earthquakes against sporting kansas city on the road robert jonas alex morgan i'm phil leva uh robert i'm gonna kick it over to you first i'm curious to get your initial thoughts after the match what do you think uh i'm uh i'm ready to forget this match uh, i think a lot of people are that was uh, not not exactly the kind of game you'd want to see and and again you know you know, you go down two or one nothing in two minutes. You go down two nothing in the first half. You know, you may lose a little bit of intensity, but you know, it's 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 still an opportunity to put something together and and try to get back into the game. And and I you know I just didn't see a lot of that. You know, Jamin and I on Twitter were going back and forth about the fact that the center of the field was a bit vacant at times, and I think that contributed to a lot of joy for Kansas City. Um, and even with some of the adjustments in the second half, you know, they were they were the team feeling great and 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 coasted to probably the easiest three points they've had on the season. So, you know. Uh, you know, I guess the Quakes, uh, they won the first game against Kansas City this year. They've lost the second. They didn't lose any points in the standings. But, you know, they, they lost a lot of uh, kind of that that energy or maybe that, that that feeling they had after the good win in Vancouver. So a lot to do this week with a couple of home games on the agenda. Yeah, and a lot of changes were made during the match, including the substitutions. Alex, there was a lot going on in the Slack tonight. Um, I'm curious as to what you think regarding the match and kind of some of the chatter that you're hearing from the fan base. You know, I, I think, you know, on the contrary here, this is exactly the kind of game I want to see if I were Peter Vermees. Because, uh, you know, Sporting Kansas City dominated this game from the opening whistle to the end of the 90 mi- minutes. I, I, I don't know if Luchi Gonzalez would like me saying this, uh, but the San Jose Earthquakes got pummeled again tonight. And, and this time they didn't get lucky. Last weekend, I think we saw a similar match against Vancouver that could have played out very similarly. Vancouver were on the front foot, had a lot of chances. Uh, Sporting Kansas City were also on the front foot, had a lot of chances. The difference being tonight that they put their chances away. And they just had so much joy in in around the box. I mean, right at the top of that box there, San Jose couldn't do anything to stop them. We saw... Uh, you know, Russell cutting in from the right wing, cutting in from the left wing. We saw Pulido da- uh, dancing uh, between the defenders. Uh, the, the Quakes just didn't know what to do at the top of the box. They weren't quick enough to step up. Uh, and when they did step up, they got beat. So Sporting Kansas City just had a lot of, of opportunity in that space. And and yeah, the Quakes, the Quakes got beat. They were the worst team tonight. And they're, they're going to have to go back to, to San Jose uh, with, uh, with a pretty bad loss tonight. Yeah, there's a really quick turning around, uh, turnaround coming, right, with the game against the LA Galaxy at home on Wednesday night. Just looking at some of the defensive woes and some of the goalkeeping difficulties, you could even say it wasn't Danielle's best game for the squad. Um, Robert, just kind of looking at what needs to be improved upon, I know we're probably going to have an opportunity to hear about this a little bit from Lucci, uh, but what do you anticipate his responses will be? I mean, what do you think the Quakes are going to have to do to turn things around to be successful against the Galaxy midweek? I mean, at this point, they just got to trust that, uh, you know, they can get, put chances together, that um, 
they can defend the center of the park. And, and if they, you know, kind of tighten up that spine, then, you know, I think it puts them in a pretty good place. You know, we know the earthquakes have played very, very well at PayPal Park, PayPal Park and it's, it's a non-MLS opponent that's the only team that's able to really beat them there. And so, you know, with that in mind and, and with, uh, you know, a few days to prepare, I, I, I do feel that the team's going to come out a bit hungrier than, uh, certainly more hungry than they did today. You know, but, you know, the numbers, you know, in this game, as Alex said, the numbers against Vancouver were very much lopsided and you know a lot of that does come from you know the the just the ability of the team to to push forward creatively i don't know i i just didn't see a lot of that tonight and it, it felt disappointing make those adjustments and 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 maybe this team can can really rebound and make I, a six point week i have to push back on on phil though because phil you you preface your question by saying that this was maybe not danielle's best performance for the <laughs> quakes that? this was a pretty spectacular performance from danielle and goal i think if danielle hadn't been in goal this could have easily been a four or five nil loss for the quakes. I mean, he still made multiple it's a three nil loss regardless. it's not a hypothetical he literally tipped he had probably the mls save of the week tipping that sure. early shot onto the crossbar yeah, he had was, another another kick save i mean without danielle this probably would have been even worse for the Quakes. I mean, I don't know how you can I don't know how you can dispute that one, Phil. I mean, like he made some good saves tonight, don't get me wrong. It's a 3-0 loss, so that's kind of, you know, marshalling the back line, getting things going for the team, uh, distributing out of the back. Just wasn't good enough from Danielle in that aspect at all. I mean, if we're talking about shot stopping, yes, absolutely. But, uh, you know, getting things going, in a, and they really open things up with the substitutes, too. we got to consider that. I mean, Lucci makes some wholesale changes here. They look at a glance at, as like, one-for-one one changes, but we have players with entirely different skill sets coming in, right? We saw how quickly things shifted when Jack Skane came into the match. We saw, uh, for the first time, Matthew Hoppy, right? We got to see what he, he got to provide. But overall, they were lacking that cohesion from, from back to front. So I have to disagree with you here. Yes, there were some spectacular saves. We've come to... Uh, you know, to, to consider that like normal from Daniel to do that. Like it's one of his, his, you know, his best qualities. And yes, perhaps he did prevent the score from being run up to six nil or worse, but it's still a three nil loss. They didn't get anything going from, you know, from the back, starting from the goalkeeper position, moving forward. So overall, I just think like, if you were to look at it, if you were to look at the match at every aspect of the pitch, I think Lucci could find something that they can improve upon moving forward. I mean, so so what I am willing to concede here, Phil, is that I think on the first goal, Daniel might have been able to do better. He's a keeper who plays on his line because he's so good at shot stopping and has such quick reactions. And so he doesn't usually come out and claim many of those balls. But on this one, maybe you wonder, okay, could he have stepped out, made himself big, closed down the space, tried to make a punch there and stop the ball from, uh, you know, nestling in, in the far post there. But but I, I think that's a stretch. I don't think you can blame this one on Danielle. I think this was the Look, fact that you have two, two center backs who don't step up to the ball. I mean, you're you're taking the statement that I made and, and, and like turning it into the, being an absolutely shambolic performance from Danielle. I think we've come to expect great performances from Danielle week in and week out. He even got recognized on the uh on the sheet for mls team of the week right like he's been putting in some really solid performances and tonight was like mediocre for him which is which is really bad so 
Um, I think we just, overall, like, it was a poor performance from the team, and Daniel is included in that. And I don't think it's any worse than that. Look, if I were to put together, like, a studs and duds list, I don't know that Daniel would necessarily be on my duds list for this match. But the fact of the matter is, it wasn't his best performance. That's what I'm saying. Okay, I'll, I'll accept that. We, we can call this one even. I'll, I'll accept that. Robert, are you, are you happy refereeing this one? Is that a, is that a good outcome? I, I, I'm very curious uh, on the studs and duds list if we, if we have anyone we could even put on the studs list, to be honest with you. Um, I thought Jack Scan maybe had a you know pretty remarkable, well, at times, you know, good performance. He had probably the, he had the best shot of the night, you know, minus the penalty kick uh, disaster there at the end. And again, you know, we've seen him do some, some, some look really good at, at time when he, when he gets his minutes, you know, game situation, it makes it a little tougher to evaluate him. I think Matthew Hoppy is the same way, you know, can you really, you know, look at this game and, and make an evaluation of what we're going to see moving forward? I, I hope to ask Lucci that question, you know, but uh, you know, you know, he might've been the one stud on the list if anybody, and Alex, it looked like you were about to agree. Maybe you had a few, a few extra things to add to that. I mean, yeah, this was another phenomenal performance from Jack Skane. He was the bright spot for the earthquakes in this game when he came on at halftime. Even though he's been carrying an injury, it did not look like it because the motor that he has is crazy. When he is pressing, when he is chasing the ball, uh, he looks like a demon out there trying to track it down. And he scares defenders. He causes turnovers. And then just he's really good at taking on players in front of the box, in the box, drawing fouls he knows when to lay the ball off he was doing everything right tonight uh, there was the gorgeous gorgeous opportunity that he had with the matthew hoppy ball over the top i mean the touch he had to take it down uh when two men were marking him uh and then i i think it was a good you know shot at goal uh, unfortunately went just wide and, and then obviously the work he did to win the penalty this was another phenomenal performance from jack scan and it makes me think that he deserves the starting spot because look jameer montero He's been okay. He had one really solid ball in behind for Christian Espinosa. Um, that was when Christian Espinosa had the, the uh, ball across the box that Hoppy narrowly missed. That was probably San Jose's best chance of the night. Um, but but is Jamiro Montero really pushing the tempo? I don't think so. Every week I feel just less and less confident that Jamiro Montero is the guy to to lead this midfield for the Quakes because you know we know he can put a good ball in behind and against Vancouver he had a really solid hockey assist we know that he, he he can find those balls in behind and he can unlock passes but he's not pushing the tempo his defensive work rate is not what I remember it being I mean last season he was the guy on on defense who was winning the ball causing turnovers playing quickly moving it forward it's just he's not he's not doing that this year and the the difference between him and Jack Skane feels just really stark to me and and this team feels more dangerous when Jack Skane's in that 10 position and, and it feels like they need to they need to give him that starting spot back now that he's fit one of the most noticeable things here is like when Jamiro Montero gets the ball in that attacking position like the pace of play between like what we see from Montero and what we're seeing from Jack Skane is like exponentially different i mean skein is much more dynamic or he's shown to be much more dynamic when he receives the ball in those attacking positions and not only in like being the pivot point from the defense to the off like into the attack 
but also making runs. We saw multiple times tonight, Jack Skane latch onto the end of passes for Matthew Hoppy, right? There was the one where he had the bad touch after he had like the really great movement in which he should have probably just shot instead of doing an extra touch. But there was also a moment later on when Skane was able to bring a ball down that was, that was kind of like over the top, right? At that point, it looked like the Quakes were kind of going for more of a route one approach as they were attempting to get back into the match. And Skane was definitely a part of that. So like, that's a part of Montero's game that I haven't quite seen since he joined the squad. Like he hasn't really been that fire starter for the offense in a way that Jack Skane has uh, been for the team. So I completely agree with you there, Alex. I think like Skane deserves an opportunity to get more minutes from the beginning of the match and not just as a sub later on. And and you mentioned that connection that he had with Matthew Hoppy. I, I liked that connection because I, the thing I like about both of them together is that they both have really good instincts and they both play directly. They both are always looking to play the ball, the first ball in behind to, to take a, a touch and, and drive the ball forward. Uh, and, and I think that they uh, were able to find each other well in that final third, because they're, they're always making runs and, and looking for each other. And, and look, did Matthew Hoppy cover himself in glory in this debut? No. Was was this the hat trick debut that we were hoping for from from Matthew Hoppy? No. Uh, did he perform badly? No. I liked the way that Matthew Hoppy played tonight. I thought that his movement off the ball was good. I liked the runs he was making. I liked what he was doing when he got the ball. He was looking for balls in behind. Uh, he was looking to go attack players on the dribble. He was making good runs into the box. Uh, I thought that the second half that Matthew Hoppy had was better than the first half that Cade Cowell had. So that's that's worth something. I think that he's, if anything, this debut showed that he is a good addition who is going to be a helpful piece for this Earthquakes team to have down the stretch. Is he a, a revolutionary addition that that maybe uh, you know we were hoping for? Not necessarily, but does he have the potential to to add a spark to this team and to pick it up and to kind of renew his career in San Jose? I think that's absolutely on the cards after this debut. He's he certainly showed that he has some vision, right? And in, in creating passes. Like Kate has shown that at times as well, but I'm interested to see if Hoppy is gonna be a little bit sharper in those positions where he needs to make those passes. So he definitely got a glimpse of it in the connection with Jack Skane. That was really nice to see. Robert, I'm curious about your thoughts here. I mean, this is our first time seeing Matthew Hoppy in a Quakes uh, uniform. Uh, did, did he meet your expectations thus far? What do you expect to see from him moving forward? I like the way he played. And Alex, I, I agree with you. I think is, uh, you know, if you're looking at where he's gonna fit on the field and, and you know, he told us in his introduction press conference that he could play anywhere across the front Ooh. line. It really feels. Hello, like everyone. Thank you for your patience tonight. Uh, we will be beginning. We will be beginning our media availability for post game shortly. Thank you for your patience. Okay, I uh, just got, got back from the airport waiting room there, and so it sounds like the press conference is coming up. Anyway, to, f to finish that thought with uh, with Matthew Hoppy, uh, you know. He, we saw him play this at the national team level when he was with the, in the team about a year or so ago, that, that same wing that Cade is playing. And uh, I thought he did well enough to be considered uh, in that competition to start, and, um, but I don't think he did anything that would you know, immediately put him ahead of Cade in, in the starting lineup. And, and Alex, I know we'll talk about this more, especially after the press conference, but you know, Matthew Hoppe is a good piece to bring into the team. You know, uh, Aya Akindola is a great piece to bring into the team. You know, Jack Scahan is a great piece. You can, uh, you know, when healthy, uh, you might bring him bring out the bench or maybe even start in these games. You know, uh, it feels like the Quakes have some 
decent depth at a lot of positions, but they don't have a, a game changer necessarily, or they didn't bring in new game changers in, in a way that you know can really turn games. And and maybe Lucci's kind of stuck, you know, hoping that the ingredients on any given game day are going to be the right ingredients to put together a win. And and I think that's something he really has to think about in these in this last stretch of games. You know, the earthquakes are not uh, you know not in a position where they can coast to the playoffs. They're going to have to earn it, even though they're ahead of the playoff line right now. And uh, you know, it's going to come to you know tough decisions as to who is playing well and who can play well together uh, over these last nine games. Yeah, I, I agree in that it felt like the Quakes had depth today. For for the first time, I was like, wow, these substitutes are making the game better. I'm excited about what these substitutes can bring. You had Paul Marie coming on. I don't think he had the best game tonight. I think he probably should have stepped up to the ball, uh, you know, more on, on Sporting Kansas City's third goal. But I think that was probably true of most of the defenders tonight. But but you had him come on, and we know he can be dangerous going forward. You had Akinola go on. You know, we know that he's been good in the last few games uh, and has been a good target player up top, uh, and especially in those late-game situations. You have Hoppy coming on. You have Skane coming on. Those are all guys who can raise the level, who can add goals. Uh, and uh, it, it's a far cry from where they were just three or four months ago when they were struggling, str- sometimes struggling to put together a, a full roster of players um, who you feel like could make an impact off the bench. So now that you have Jackson Ewell back uh, from suspension, now that uh, most guys on this team are, are fit, this this feels like a, a team with solid depth. And, and uh, I, it feels like at any point, one or two players like Skane, like Hoppy, like Cowell could break out and and be able to take this team to the next level. So so there's not really that player driving this team right now. It doesn't feel like and, and they didn't really go and get one uh, uh, over the, the the summer transfer window. But it feels like there are a bunch of guys who could do that. You know, I'm curious. Um, I was going to ask this after the press conference, but since we have a little bit of extra time, I wanted to talk about a rumor that came up very recently. Uh, Tom Bogert in The Athletic had mentioned that Jeremy Abobis. Oh, let me just read the tweet in case folks are listening in podcast form. He said, uh, another MLS player has emerged as a target ahead of Euro transfer windows closing. San Jose Earthquakes forward Jeremy Abobasi. Sources say a club in England's championship and another in Spain are interested in the forward. Timing is tough with the MLS window closed. And then he put a link to his article and maybe uh, folks who are in the chat right now, if anybody has the ability to link it there, or I can put it there in just a moment. Um, I'd be interested to discuss this because you guys were just talking about the depth here. Having um, Ayo Akinola, having Matthew Hoppy and the other forward uh, and attacking options that the Quakes have, what do you think of this possibility that Jeremy Abobasi, uh, one of the better strikers for the team in the last couple of years, could possibly be moving on? Does this make the team better or is the, uh, in, the, in the short term, or is this something that is going to benefit the team uh, a little bit farther down the run, uh, maybe next season? Uh, but if they're going for you know the playoffs, the Robert you had mentioned, they don't quite have that game changer. Yeah, I mean, is this an opportunity to bring that guy in? If 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 you transfer Jeremy Abobasi at this point, it does not help the Quakes uh, become a better team. It helps the the bank account potentially, so that you can invest to make this a better team. And maybe if you want to kind of be looking ahead at you know cashing in at a time when there's interest in him, you do that. But uh, if the Quakes, uh, you know, want to have their top forward, and I still believe he is the top forward on this team, 
you don't transfer them at this point. Um, it's it would be a gamble. It would be a definite gamble that you've got to put the money on one side and the you know, potential success of this team on the other hand, and and really decide you know is it worth it? Is it kind of tipped in your favor? I would I would think it would need to be a pretty reasonable amount. And Alex, I I know you want to talk on this too. Transfers uh, make a big difference to teams uh, com coming in and going out. Jeremy is the kind of transfer I don't know if I would do, whereas the Cade Cal is one I would do. And I and not to rehash our discussion after the Vancouver game, but I'm sure we'll have some time to talk about that tonight but you know this is one of those places where one transfer just seems more correct than the other and let me just add a little bit more here uh, first of all thank you jamin for linking that in the in the youtube chat if folks want to check out the article to support uh writers for major league soccer i think it's really important so you can check that out it's on the atlantic um one thing i wanted to add is that this has actually been kind of a hot topic in the youtube chat for a few of the shows um one of our regulars ben he has mentioned that he doesn't think that abobasi has necessarily been cutting it um, Alex, what do you think? Is this the right move in this moment, or is he somebody that the Quakes need to hold on to? For the record, I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment that Ben has, but um, there are folks who do believe that. What do you think, Alex? I think this is a distraction. I, I think that there's a, a low probability of Jeremy Obobese moving to a championship or, or uh, La Liga club in this transfer window, and I, I don't think that the Quakes should sell him. I think that he is very critical to this team's success this season. And if you sell Jeremy Obobese, you don't have an obvious starting number nine who can take this team to the playoffs and have them succeed in the playoffs. I think if 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 they sell Jeremy Obobese, it's too late to, to re-sign anyone. The MLS uh, transfer window is, is closed at this point. I think you're, you're kind of throwing in the towel for the, the, the 2023 playoffs and for this playoff push that the the earthquakes are making right now because Jeremy Obobese scored seven goals this season. Uh, he is their main guy up top. He is critical to this earthquakes team right now. And I think it would take a lot of money to justify that sale. I think it would probably take upwards of seven to $8 million to, to make that transfer worth it for the quakes right now. And I don't know if there is a market for Jeremy Obobese at that price. I could definitely believe that there's a market for him at the four to $5 million range. Because uh, if you score 17 goals in Major League Soccer last year, like he did, that's a very reasonable sum to request. Uh, but but I don't think that the Quakes should sell him for that uh, that fee because I think he's he's worth more than that to this team right now. And I know that if he continues scoring like he will, they can always get more offers for him in the winter if they really uh, want to push for him to go to Europe. If he wants to push to go to Europe, I I, I think that the timing is not right for this. It just completely doesn't make sense and it's really just a distraction from the k cowell transfer news because uh, that is big news for this club that they got offers from him from bologna and they have not accepted any of those offers uh, and we don't know what the exact numbers are for for that offer there's reports that it's in the range of, of 4.5 uh, million dollars or, or million euros those are the reports out there on twitter um and I think that that's a very, very, very enticing bid for Cade Cowell. And I think if that's the bid they received, they 100% should have accepted it and, and gotten him that transfer to Europe. Because now is the right timing for Cowell. Now makes sense for Cowell. Cowell wants to go this summer. The Quakes want him to go this summer. Everything makes sense about this Bologna transfer uh, for Cade Cowell. And I look, even if those numbers are wrong, even if the bid was somewhere in the range of 2 million to two and a half million. I still think they should really seriously consider it. 
even if that's a low ball, because now is the right time for Cowell. I don't see him being used very well by Luchi Gonzalez. I don't see him getting significantly better in the next six months year and being able to, uh, to earn a, a significantly higher transfer sum. Uh, so I, I think that this is a good offer for, for Kate Cowell. And, and we really, next time we get the opportunity to, to speak to, to Chris Leach about it, uh, we're going to want to push him on the specifics of, okay, what is the, the, what's it going to take for, for, for you to sell Kate Cowell? What is this number here that you're, you're looking for? Because uh, if you're not willing to sell players, you can't become a selling club like you want to be. And we know that Bologna have money. They just paid $7 million, $11 million for another winger. That's that's why we're assuming, the context here is that we're assuming the Cade Cowell deal is, is kind of dead in the water because Bologna already went out and got another winger. Uh, and so the, the retrospective on this, understanding, okay, exactly what happened in this transfer negotiation, I, I think is going to be an ongoing conversation that we're going to have to look back on and, and, and really seriously question whether Chris Leach made the right decision with this one. Yeah, and Robert, do you have any thoughts on the on the Cade Cowell transfer as well? I mean, it does kind of look like uh, Cade missed the boat on this one. They've already gone out and signed a winger. Uh, one thing that I think was a bit concerning is that he was subbed off early in this match to bring on Matthew Hoppy. I mean, what what does that say about Lucci's approach moving forward? I mean, is Cade perhaps going to take a backseat to other players on the squad? I think it's still Cade's position, uh, to, you know, starting position to lose. And and again, I think you know we saw Matthew do well enough to put himself in contention. But uh, you know, it also is a, a week where there's two home games coming up, and it was much more important about halftime of this game to look ahead potentially at those two games as an important six points on the table that they need to be uh, to really be fighting for. And uh, you know, maybe uh, you had a guy like Matthew Hoppy who this is his first opportunity to get some meaningful minutes, and maybe you learn a little bit from it. So you know, you, you're not necessarily sacrificing a lot in that substitution. I mean, we saw Cade, you know, really take on players like we know he can but losing the ball like we know he can at times in that first half and so there wasn't anything left to learn necessarily and I do like that uh, Hoppy got a, a decent amount of minutes on the field for for Lucci to get some numbers to get some video to to be able to make some assessments about what he wants to do against LA in this game on Wednesday yeah and so I'm going to redirect a question towards you Alex that I asked earlier uh, to Robert and that is in preparation for this game on Wednesday now you were very excited when Matthew Hoppy was signed. Uh, there's going to be two matches coming up in succession for the team. Um, they had to play, you know, three and, and within eight days, which can be uh, quite exhausting. If you're looking at the match against the LA Galaxy, what does your starting 11 look like? Are you going to have Cade Cal back out there to start the match? Or are you going with Matthew Hoppy or perhaps something even different? All right, I, I'm, I'm going to change it up. I think this game will leave a bad taste in, in the Quakes' mouth. And I think they've... Uh, learned a few things. One being that Jack Skane should 100% be the starter in number 10. His energy is really, really good. And, and I don't think there's a, a super big question or, or doubt about that right now that, that he's your guy in the number 10 position. Uh, I think that I would give uh, Matthew Hoppy a chance in the starting lineup. I, I, I think that um, Matthew Hoppy did enough to warrant a shot. And the, the, the biggest reason is that I just like Cade Cowell as a substitute better. So if you have a guy who can go and do the first 60 minutes, tire defenders, get a few shots on goal, uh, maybe help with uh, some production, then you can put Cade Cowell on and get Cade Cowell on in a position where he's going to succeed running out defenders that are tired 
uh, in the in the second half. Um, and then the, the other big thing is is the back line because again, players weren't stepping up tonight. Do you take out uh, Tanner Beeson and put in Mensa? I think that's an open question. Hey, Lucci, can you hear us? We're not, we're not able to hear you over here. I, it looks like your mic is off. Yeah, I wasn't ready yet. Got it. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for tonight's post-game media availability. We will start with the first question from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Lucci, obviously a poor result tonight. Really felt like uh, defensively, had some issues kind of stepping to the ball in the final third and putting the pressure in places that you would want to put it on. You know, what's your assessment in, in a 3-0 loss today and an XG that looks a bit similar like last week, but it did feel, feel like, you know, with the penalty that was drawn that you guys are more on the front foot tonight. Thanks. Muted. Yeah, look, we, we actually, uh, I thought we got good pressure on the ball. We caused issues. We won the ball many multiple times in their half and their in their build-up half so like our attacking half and uh we created offensive transition but we should actually have a higher i know our xg was higher and the pk helps that but you know, i thought in the run of play we should even have higher xg putting things on frame and we created volume attacking the box and offensive transition winning the ball uh but we just didn't you know we didn't reward ourselves so but that's the risk, right? That's the risk of getting pressure on the ball higher up the field. And, you know, that's uh, it did not pay off. But, you know, we tried. So, again, in the second half, more of the same. You know, we started, I thought, pretty strong second half, pushing the game, winning, again, getting pressure on the ball, winning it in areas to have offensive transition and and uh, getting close, getting close, but, but just not able to put away chances or even put things on target. So, a credit to Kansas City. They scored early. You know, I actually thought we started strong the first few minutes and all of a sudden it comes back our way and they score. So, you know, like you mentioned, we didn't do a good job defending our box or our goal. Um, in the first two goals, you know, getting you cannot give uh, Johnny Russell an open cross like that. You can't let Shallowy in the box on a redirection be free without a body. You can't let uh, Tommy take a you know second half get a shot sorry johnny russell get a shot uh i would take one versus two on and get a shot off you know so like that that's the consequence of i thought just not being uh 
like like you mentioned, aggressive enough or just getting pressure on the ball uh, to prevent them. But you know, credit to them; they have good good individual creative players. They combine well. They created um, in different ways, and they're a very good team. You know, first half of the season is not a reflection of like this this team, and and so uh, you know, credit credit to them. Um, in our compactness in the block, you know, we took the risk of getting pressure on the ball. And so may, I think that's something we can improve is maybe picking the moments to go and then make picking the moments to drop off and, and stay compact and invite them like we did against Vancouver. But when you're down early in the game, you know, our boys, they want to compete. They want to push and, and try to win. So they weren't happy with that. And we were probably a little more expansive in, in building pressure than we would like. And it, and it was riskier. Um, but that's the way it went. And uh, we're going to have to get over it quickly and uh and be build uh and rest and then build build our preparation for for galaxy now we'll take a second question from robert jonas uh, thank you you know coach um game circumstances obviously will play a role in how you decide to make your substitutions uh you did make one sub at half which i was hoping you'd comment on uh with respect to matthew hoppy versus cade cow but more broadly speaking you got to see some players tonight get some significant minutes that you haven't in hoppy and io akindola and mls action the return of jack scan how does the performance you saw throughout the team tonight help inform some of the decision-making you need to make with a with a double game week coming up and in terms of who you can count on to be a starter and, and who you're looking at to bring off your bench? Yeah, you know, I made we made subs earlier in this game than, than typical um, based on the circumstances of the game and knowing that we also had um, a game uh, midweek against the Galaxy at home. So, you know, it's hard. It's hard when you want to do the best in the moment and and also have a, an eye on the horizon of what's coming up. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, guys like Christian, J-Bo, um, Mito, you know, they've, they've put in good minutes and they've done well with, you know, with those minutes. Uh, but it, we felt it was an opportunity to give other guys opportunities, some fresh legs in the game and push the game. Um, Jack Scahan did pretty well coming in and created the PK and created a, an opportunity in behind where he almost scores. Um, Poppy, you know, is still adapting. You know, he's brand new to the team and he, he has goals in him. He's, he makes runs into the box, almost got in the end of Christian's cross, put a great ball in behind to Jack. So like, you know, but he's still learning uh, the, the connection on the pre building pressure, like the defensive shape. And then, and then how can he be effective attacking? Same as Io, you know, so. That's the, the the exercise, and um, but look, we we got got through the game with no additional injuries, and like I said, we'll rest and and uh, we'll approach Galaxy with with another mentality to change the result of tonight. We'll take a next question from Michael Roberson. Okay, Coach. Um... Uh, you had an opportunity to get a score with the uh, penalty kick, but it didn't happen. Does that provide uh, a negative uh, moment going into this Galaxy game, even though we knew pretty much that wasn't going to be a win, but that would have been something good to take into the next game? Yeah, look, it's it's all about the next moment. Um, we, we, we as a team pride ourselves in trying to be present with each moment. Um, so, look, again, credit to the guys. We didn't give up. They pushed the game at the end. They earned the PK. 
you know, it's unfortunate we didn't we didn't put it away. Um, so, you know, Christian usually takes those and Jabo, if not Christian, and both neither were on the field. So the guys had their moment to step up and do and do that. And, you know, I thought Carlos Gresso had a pretty good physical, aggressive game recovering the ball. And, you know, he stepped, stepped up to take it and he's not a typical penalty taker for us. So that's something we'll we'll discuss if Jabo or Christian are on the field and how do we approach the next time that we're in the situation. But uh, it's not from lack of courage, you know, or desire or want. But, you know, yeah, we would have liked to definitely put that away and just gain momentum for the next moment and look goals for, goals against. Goal differential is important in, in, the, in a playoff uh, qualification. So we, we want to do better and take advantage of that next time. And with respect to the team's travel schedule, we will close up the final question with Alex Morgan. Hey, Luchi, thanks for, for joining us tonight. Um, you know, it might not have been, you know, one of the, the worst uh, performances of the season, but but just with the 3-0 scoreline, it is one of the worst scorelines of the season so far. So I, I'm curious, you know, looking back, if there's anything that you would have changed about the, the way that you approached this one, you know, maybe with respect to how much success that, that Sporting Kansas City's wingers had in and around in the box, um, or or just tactically going into this one, what you what you would have wanted to 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 have back? Yeah, it's always it's always uh, not easier, but you know, more clear in retrospect what coulda, shoulda, woulda done. But um, <clears throat> I agree with that. You know, in terms of our performance overall, wasn't very wasn't poor. We we had xg, uh, we created you know offensive transition. We won the ball, like I said, in their half. Many times, in fact, more times than normal away from home, uh, we we did we didn't reward ourselves on the score sheet. And Kansas City were very efficient. I mean, they scored in the first five minutes, you know, on their first diagonal cross in the box on the weak side. And so we, you know, we we have to have more pride, you know, and just having a more complete game, attacking and defending the boxes. And uh, it wasn't our night, so we won't overthink it. We're we're very, you know disappointed with the score line um, because people that don't watch the game see that score and they're going to, there's assumptions, but we know we created things and we know we didn't defend good enough. So now let's, it's done. Let's move on and, uh, and respond to the next moment and, and believe this is what this team has been doing all season. And, and uh, I believe uh, that they're, they will be ready to do it again. Thank you, everyone, for joining tonight's media availability. That concludes tonight's post-game press conference. Good night. All right, I don't think there was much surprising in his responses, at least from my perspective. Uh, we heard Lucci talk a bit about some of the defensive difficulties, right? I think he did discuss the pressure and how effective that was. That's not really something that we talked about uh, in the aftershock so far, but it's definitely something that stood out to me during the match. But one moment I think that was really difficult for the team was when Tommy scored the goal. And that was a moment in which they did not apply the pressure. In fact, it was Paul Marie right after coming on as a substitute. Um, and we haven't talked about Paul Marie's performance too much this match either. I think overall, though, it, it was a lot of the defensive woes in the defensive organization. And Lucci, I think, confirmed that for us, that that's where a lot of the difficulties lied. There were offensive opportunities, but I think it was also clear that they just didn't execute well enough on scoring the goals. So I did post up the, um, the XG stats, which one thing that was really surprising was how low Sporting Kansas City's XG actually was, which just goes to show that they really capitalized 
on the half chances that they had. I mean, Johnny Russell had an incredible dribble there, but even the Tommy goal was kind of like, that was outside the 18-yard box. He didn't have pressure applied to him. He just kind of like took a chance and got it. So um, kind of considering some of the responses that, that Lucci gave us tonight, Alex, I'm going to kick it over to you first. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm frustrated uh, when when Lucci holds back the way he did in that press conference. You know, he, he wasn't digging into his players. Uh, he wasn't uh, digging into the the team or the decisions that he made. Uh, I think he was, he was more optimistic about this one than, than I was. He, he seemed to think that they had created more in the final third and were winning the ball up front more than I recall. Um, I definitely think in the second half, he's right that Jack Skane uh, were, you know, it w- was a bright spot and he's right that the quakes were able to win a penalty. And if you actually look at the XG, it's remarkable that the quakes had more XG in this match. So, so it, it's kind of hard to argue with him on, on, on that front. I think that's probably more or less a wash and I, I'm willing to give him that one. Um, and, and I also look, I, I it would have been nice for him to, to say, we didn't know how to contain sporting Kansas city's wingers in hindsight, I would have had, uh, you know, our two fullbacks be much more aggressive when they're stepping up and, and, uh, much tight play much tighter to them, uh, in front of the box. I, I think that's a pretty clear adjustment. The quakes could have made to get a better outcome in this one, but, but I also respect the fact that look, you're going to have down games sometimes and you don't want to overthink it. You're away from home and you're going to come back in three days and get a chance to, uh, to get a chance to, 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 you know, make it up against the galaxy. And do I, do I think that this game is, is got me seriously concerned about San Jose's ability to compete for the rest of the season? No, I think it's just one they kind of have to move past. And so, so, so I, I, I get where his press conference was coming from. Maybe big picture. There's some concern that, okay, maybe this is what's going to happen in the playoffs guys. If, if the quakes, uh, you know, make the playoffs and they're, uh, you know, a, a kind of bottom seed in the Western conference and they go away from home, this is something that I'd be worried about. That's, that's lingering in the back of my head. Yeah. But, but is that a really pressing concern that, you know, needs Lucci needs to get fired up about right now? Not really. You know, I kind of wish Jamin was here to comment for a second because he did write an article earlier this year, uh, which I, I will I will reference our website in just a moment. But there was an article talking about how we shouldn't be as anxious going into these road matches and how we should be more uh, worried about the the home matches rather than the away matches, right? Like the one coming up against the LA Galaxy. It's a great article. Check it out at quicksepicenter.com. Um, you can become a patron and get access to that for just two bucks a month. Um, if you want to join our Slack, where a lot of the conversations happen during the match, you can find that. Uh, for five dollars a month you get access to the slack we've got a lot of our wonderful members on there with us commenting throughout the match so um, just thinking a little bit about that as well uh, in terms of the the quakes approach coming into to this match Robert um, Lucci reflected on that a bit Alex you asked him one of those like in hindsight questions which is like really dangerous in certain situations but I'm glad that uh, Lucci handled it very well and, and did well to answer your question which I think was a good question Robert what do you think about that um, kind of looking at things in hindsight and, and going forward here um, I mean, the approach that Lucci t- took going into this match, how do you feel about his response? And do you think that he could have done things differently? You know, it's it's difficult as a fan to know um, your team's not giving 100%. And I don't think the coach is going to sit up there and say, we didn't give 100% tonight. But when the take-home message is that, you know, well, we didn't get any injuries and, and we'll rest ahead of Wednesday's game, 
you know, is is sort of indicative of or an indictment, really, of, of a, some of the approach to this game. You know, Alex, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and, and to Jamin's point and to anyone who follows Major League Soccer, you don't have to win your road matches. You know, you, you pick up a few wins on the road and you're a playoff team. And so you can you can kind of pick and choose when to have a night like this in a really difficult stadium that the earthquakes have uh, kind of had some pretty challenging games in the, in the end as well. Um, and 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 I think, you know, like he did, he saw a lot of guys get some minutes tonight earlier than he might have otherwise brought them in off the bench. Uh, he maybe learned a little bit that's going to help, uh, as as he kind of said about about Matthew Hoppy, what he might get out of uh, Ayo Akindola. And even Jack Skin, knowing he's healthy, you know, gives him something else to think about. I didn't get the impression that he's suddenly going to be benching Jabo and Miro and, and Espinosa anytime soon. That's that doesn't seem like that's going you know, is crossing his mind. But I do feel that you know he can use a game like this and, and the evidence from the game like this to potentially rally some guys to maybe step it up a, a bit further. And if that's what it takes to to really dominate their home games and secure that playoff spot, then in a sense there's going to be a mission accomplished. Um, but yeah, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, Sunday afternoon quarterbacking, whatever we're doing here, um, you know, that was that was a game you just sort of lock up, throw away, and, and not forget it or remember it as a fan. And you hope that uh, you know the Quakes team looks much better when it comes to Wednesday. Alex is ready to uh, ready to talk here. Well, there there is there is one thing that I'm not locking up uh, okay. that I'm not looking past. Uh, that I'm not forgetting, and that is that Carlos Greza should not be taking penalties anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, that was a, 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 a weird decision for him to take that penalty. I thought that Jack Skein was the kind of obvious person to take it, given that he won the penalty. I would have liked Matthew Hoppy to take it, give the debut guy a chance to get on the score sheet uh, and, and get uh, his legs under him in San Jose. Carlos Grezzo was a, a weird choice. We haven't seen him take many penalties for the Quakes before. Lucci admitted that he's not the the first guy. And, and I think Lucci didn't say it directly, but I think Lucci was probably thinking similarly as I was. If you, if you miss a penalty, if you hit a poor penalty like that, you're, you're not going to get to take another one this season. And, and the Quakes have other guys who they can turn to. Well, and, and you do wonder if, uh, you know, there's nothing really to gain by him taking that penalty. You know, he's, he's a locked in starter and defensive midfielder, at least you expect him to be, but you know, having another guy get the opportunity to score a goal, get his first goal, his first you know goal with the earthquakes. Uh, like you mentioned a couple of those names and even actually be able to carry a momentum forward. You know, Grace, so we don't expect to be on the score sheet. So in that sense, it's a bit odd for him to to step forward and take it. Um, I don't know. Maybe every player thinks a penalty is an easy shot, and he certainly took it like it was going to be an easy an easy goal. And and uh, and I also want to I also want to admit that Tim Melia is just the greatest well, penalty great. saver yeah. in the history of Major League Soccer. <laughs> if you recall, that. he has a history of saving penalties against the San Jose Earthquakes. The penalty shootout, the last time the Earthquakes were in the playoffs, I think he saved three in a row. He saved three in memory. a row in 2020. He also um, was part of knocking the Quakes out of the U.S. Open Cup in 2017. And that when that went to a penalty shootout. So there is trauma there as well as an organization going up against Tim Malia. And so if you have a penalty against Sporting Kansas City, is it really much better than like a free kick at the top of the box? I I don't I don't think so. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, anyway, I, I agree with you guys that Gruesa shouldn't have been the one to take it. I think in this instance, Matthew Hoppy is not the one that should be taking it, considering he just came into the squad. I don't think you're no fun, Phil. You, you're no you fun. How you welcome somebody onto a team? He hasn't earned that yet. I think the one who who should have taken it should have been one of the players who needs to get a goal to get out of the funk that they're in. One of the attacking players. That's who it should have been. So in this case, I think it should have been Ayo Akinola who should have taken the penalty. I think that's the best option here. He has been with the team a little bit longer than Matthew Hoppy. He has put in some minutes. He was fighting hard at the end of the match and he doesn't get the opportunity to take okay. it i think it would have been really great for his confidence for him to take it and it would have been a good attacking option especially if we're going to see akinola up there paired with jeremy abobasi or just to continue seeing him as a striker um at the top of a four of a four three three formation with the wingers at his side hear me out phil hear me out phil i think you're down three now it's not a huge like hugely important penalty i think you have danielle take that penalty and here's why i think of all of the earthquakes players on the field in that moment danielle is the most likely uh maybe aside from hoppy i i i still i still my first pick might still be hoppy i think danielle is the guy who's most likely to garner uh super like big money european transfer he is only 29 years old if uh he continues to save uh, pen, uh, you know, uh, shots like he has been this season. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a solid six to seven million offer for him from Europe at some point this season. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes there for two or three years. So I'm saying you take Daniel off there, you have him convert a penalty, and you make it look like he is an all-star penalty taker, and you add an extra couple hundred thousand dollars to his uh, to his transfer uh, uh, fee right there, and. Uh, and you have some fun while doing it. So, so that's my that's my number two shout. I think that that makes sense. I think that uh, that that's what I would root for as a chaotic uh, neutral. Alex definitely plays to the crowd. That's for sure. You are the Hulk Hogan of the podcast. That's for sure. So, hey, I, I'm just saying what I would like to see on the field, and I think that Danielle taking a stoppage time penalty would have made that game worth it. Like, can I look back on this game and say? I'm glad that I spent my 90 minutes on a Saturday evening watching this one. I no, I, of course I can't do that for this game. But if Danielle had stepped up there and converted a last minute penalty, that's all I would think about for the next five days. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'd like to see. Fair enough. I don't know that he needs a confidence boost, but I like the idea of uh, getting his value up. A you are the one who is at the top of the show who is questioning his performance. There you go. You give hey, him some confidence. I, I questioned the performance of the entire squad, and I said that he was a part of it. I think somebody misconstrued that and said that I blamed him for the, the match. No, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, but I do think that, yeah, there are other guys on the squad. Robert was pointing at me, so I think he agrees with me, right, Robert? He, I think that's what <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I think this is a good time to round things out, you guys. Uh, let's move to the last segment of the show, which is the final thoughts. Robert, I'd like to get you back in on the conversation here. Your final thoughts before heading back home to face the LA Galaxy on Wednesday night. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again. It was a it was a very frustrating game to watch. I mean, if you're a Quake supporter, you probably really wanted to turn off the uh, Apple TV somewhere in the middle of that second half, especially after goal number three. But you stuck with it because you were hoping you'd see something amazing like a Danielle penalty kick at the end. And unfortunately, you didn't get that. And now you're uh, you're sitting around, you know, counting the days till Wednesday. I mean, it's a Cali Classico and it's at PayPal Park. You know, we just we haven't had that many of those since uh, the team has looked at Stanford State as a as a place to host Los Angeles. So knowing that you know the, the intimacy of what uh, PayPal Park provides, 
uh, a midnight a midweek game where you know only the the you know the uh, the, the super hardcore fans are likely to be out there and probably you know, making that place pretty busy. Um, that's something I think the fans can look forward to, and you know really it's up to the players to make sure they're up for it as much as uh, the fan base is going to be. And then this three nothing loss just kind of gets buried in the in the standings, buried in the the old uh, flow chart there of games as like okay well they had two nice road victories in Seattle and Vancouver and then kind of stunk it up in Kansas City. But hot damn, they came out and crushed the galaxy at home. So you know that that should be the message. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the the team going into the Cali Classico at Stanford, where we were all really expecting that team to step up, and it was a really hard fought game. Uh, ended up being a draw, and, and the Galaxy obviously felt a bit aggrieved that maybe they should have had some opportunities to win that game. So here it is, you know, second time around, second time at home, and and a chance to uh, kind of make things right in the in the uh, the rivalry universe. So that's what I'm looking for. A couple of days. Of you know people getting on the edges of their seats, both fans and players, ready to put out a fantastic performance on Wednesday night. All right, Alex, you're up. Yeah, I I agree with Robert, uh, I, and I'll refer us back to Jamin Moore's playoff simulator. The Quakes only need two, maybe three more victories in order to secure a spot in the playoffs. If they can take one of those against a Western Conference rival in the LA Galaxy. Uh, I think that would be a fantastic result for this team. And this is the kind of game that I'd look to, uh, to help, uh, you know, uh, rejuvenate some of their energy. It's been, it's been a long time since they've played at PayPal park. It has been seven or so weeks since they've played at PayPal park. We haven't been there since the beginning of July. This feels almost like a, a new season and it's an opportunity for them to get started and start that, that new part of this season on the right foot. And uh, if they do that, they're on 38 points. 38 points is a lot of points to have at this point in the season, gentlemen. 38 points is right on the cusp of the playoffs. And if you were to ask me at the beginning of the season, the Earthquakes have 38 points after 26 games, I would have taken that in an instant. Now, if they lose this one, well, maybe you start to have more of these lingering doubts. Maybe you start to uh, question Kate Cowell's performances more. Maybe you want to see more. Uh, you know, changes in the starting lineup. T tonight, uh, you know, w Wednesday night is a good opportunity to put those doubts behind you and to move forward to the, the second half of the season and to start experimenting with all these new attacking options that they have. I, I don't think there's a reason for Luchi Gonzalez to be doing the same thing at every point uh, in every game at, at this stage. They have enough points in the bank that they can go out and try new fun things in the offense that you will be able to use in the playoffs, uh, depending on who you're playing uh, in the playoffs. They, they need to have a, a, a kind of a, a tool belt at this point of, of tools they can pull out uh, in the playoffs so that something like this doesn't happen to them in the playoffs. You want to avoid this in the playoffs, uh, a game like this, and, and the way you get there is by giving more guys time up top to, to be able to start a hot streak and, and finding new formations that, that uh, make this team uh, allow this team to score more goals. You know, going into the game on Wednesday night, I actually um, agree with Robert and that this is a match that can be a huge boost to the squad. You're beating your rival at, you know, you're, you have an opportunity to play your rival, the Kelly Classico, at home to pick up points in a match in which you expect to get points because it's a home match and the Quakes have been, have been winning at home. And so it's a match that I fully anticipate um, they will be going into on the front foot. So I would like to see a lot of the same uh, players called out that we saw tonight 
in the match against Sporting Kansas City, called out for the match against the LA Galaxy. With one exception, Alex, you had mentioned earlier in the match that you would like to see a change at the center, central attacking midfield position, and I completely agree. I think in the time, the short time that we got to see Jack Skane tonight, he proved that he is the dynamic playmaker and game changer in that position that we need to see more often. Now, Jamiro Montero brings a lot of experience and skill on the ball, and he works really well in tight positions at times. But the fact of the matter is, one area that the Quakes really need to improve upon, I think, going into the playoffs, and which will actually make them a, a really dynamic force and have teams like fearing them, is being quicker in the attack, being able to move the ball more quickly up the pitch. They have the players that can run onto the ball, right? They have Christian Espinoza. They have Cade Cowell and Jeremy Abobasi. Um, during the broadcast tonight for, you know, against, against uh, Sporting Kansas City, one of the things that the commentator said is like, you know, he would take Espinoza, Abobasi, and Cowell like any day. Like they, that's, a, that's an amazing attacking force that you have at the top of the formation. But the Quakes just need that player to make things happen, to link those passes like quickly enough at their pace. We know Espinoza can do it, but he can't do it by himself. He needs an attacking player that can do it with him. And I think Jack Skane is that guy. So I would like to see 10 out of the 11 guys that we saw tonight back on the pitch. Um, but also Jack Skane being added into the mix because I think that's going to be really powerful and dynamic against a team like the Galaxy who really have not been great this season. I think this is a good opportunity for the Quakes to pick up three points. So with that, I would like to suggest everyone once again to check out our website, quakesepicenter.com. Follow us on social media at uh, Quakes Epicenter on Instagram and Twitter and Threads. And uh, yeah, make sure you check out the Patreon as well. Oh, and the shop. I keep forgetting the shop every time we do this. We have scarves on sale right now. Um, check them out. They're really cool. There's one behind uh, me here on this side. Sorry, it's not mirrored. It's on this side. And there's one behind Alex as well. You can see it. Uh, Robert has this over off camera, but I know that he has one as well. So make sure you check out those scarves. There's some stickers and other cool stuff available. Robert has the mug. I don't think we have that on sale quite yet, but hopefully that's something that we can Limited edition for Robert. A limited edition, right? But um, yeah, make sure y'all check that out. And just really hoping to see more of you all on the Slack. There's a lot of great commenters here on the YouTube uh, that I would really like to see you come over and join us. I know it's $5 a month. Um, you know, it's a couple cups of coffee for the week, but if you're willing to... Uh, you know, pitch that in, then you can join us for our wonderful discussions during the match. Phil, Alex, why are you shaking your head? I don't know where you're getting coffee for like one dollar fifty cents, Alex, and it's like two dollars and fifty cents. Maybe you should try it. Okay, it's okay, okay, it's good for you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. a couple cups of coffee, <laughs> at least for me. It's like so, it's like one like Starbucks frappuccino is what it is. Okay, so for the the cost of a Starbucks frappuccino, you can get entire months worth of access to the Quakes Epicenter Slack. So there you go. So make sure you check that out. Like and subscribe to the show right here um, on YouTube. And make sure you turn on those notifications so you can join us after every match, including Wednesday night's match, the Cali Clasco, coming up against the LA Galaxy. Until then, thank you all for joining us tonight. We hope you have a good one. Take care.